This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Rebecca Lyons is a national speaker. She's host of the Rhythms for Life podcast and a best-selling author. Alongside her husband, Gabe, Rebecca finds joy in raising her four children, two of whom have Down syndrome. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Grateful to be here. Well, what a great topic. We so need to be resilient in a time like we're living in right now. Yes. And I'm so thankful that you wrote this book. Um, talk to us about, about what resilience is. When I think of resilience, I think of, a, I think of a, I don't know, maybe like a palm tree in a Florida hurricane, just like, <laughs> like trying not to fall over right. in the midst of a storm. Is that yeah. what resilience is or is it something else? You know, I think that's probably popular culture's perspective, right? And so I went back to history. You know, what is the original root word of resilience? And it's in the 1600s in mm. the Oxford English Dictionary. The Latin word was resilier. And it meant to spring back or recoil. And that's where we kind of get this popular culture of bouncing back. But then in the 1800s, there was another definition added that I leaned into, and it was to resume the original compression, kind of like a Nerf ball after being compressed and bending and a kind of a restriction mm. or constriction. And what I found in the last three years that there's no limit to the length of that compression. Sometimes we have uh, hardship and adversity in our lives that doesn't have an end date. Mm. And so we're trying to wonder, well, what does bounce back mean? You know, I think it's broader than just bouncing back. It's like as if we as people- like waiting, It's not just waiting for the storm to pass and then bouncing back. Right, as it's if like, it's one and done, right. It's like, no, it's like, what if we were bounced and retrieved and bounced and retrieved against a ball, or, yeah, as a ball against a wall, as if, and we're going to become cracked and deflated a little bit. Like, that's part of it. But then what I think a holy resilience looks like is this idea to bend low in the storm. You know, I think of the oak and the reed. The oak tree's like, I'm so strong in Aesop's fable. And the reed is like, actually, I think I'm okay. I'm going to bend low. And then the storm comes, the oak is upturned, and the reed bends low and then stands back up. And I think there's something about this beautiful, humble weathering the storm. Like those are the resilient ones. Mm. The ones who didn't run when it would have been easier, they stayed. The ones who um, became stronger because of the resistance, not in spite of it. And that to me is a weathering that mm -hmm. I think we've all had in our lives as, as a mother with special needs for 22 years. You know, there's not an end date to what adversity might look like for myself or my kids, but there's a new way to find my legs to stand back up. Um, grounded by a faith that and a love that doesn't fail. And I think that's that's real resilience. That yeah. Those are the ones I want to look towards and learn from. Yeah. So why did you write this book? That's a great question. What, what, what went on in your life that's made you wake up one morning and say, I want to write a book about resilience? Yeah. Well, honestly, about four weeks into lockdown, I was used to traveling and talking on mental health and faith. I've been doing this for about 13 years since my own panic disorder in 2010 in New York City. And so it's been a journey, a healing journey of mental health. And so I was on this mental health summit on a panel on Zoom, and I was really concerned about our kids. Like Gen Z hadn't really known what real adversity physically looked like. You know, mm, they might yeah. know it like cyberbullying or the idea of it, but real just like hardship, physical endurance, labor, um, 
to build that resistance training because you really only have resilience on a continuum. It's not like some are born resilient and some are not. It's, no, it's like, no, it's adversities, novel ideas that you encounter that activate your stress response with people cheering on helps you grow in resilience. So athletics, music, things like that. But I thought as a generation, uh, there was some languishing. And I found that with mental health and on screens and inactive and sedentary and isolated, like, they needed some real ground rules mm. for resilience. Yeah. Well, then my oldest, who's 22, Cade with Down syndrome, he's so largely nonverbal, but needs very much the uh, in the room when it happened kind of encounter with people, right? Not yeah. not virtual, school, losing school, losing friends, losing community, losing all the activities that he needed. He started to take that out on himself. It was like kind of self, like harm, not like, like he hitting himself, slamming his head into doors and walls, just being lost with kind of losing structure and any sense of control. And I think what he was experiencing mm. was really happening to all of us on a global scale. He just didn't have the filter to pretend. And so I found our family started flailing and I started flailing and I'm like, okay, we all need resilience. This isn't just for Cade or my yeah, kids. Yeah. I, as a mom need resilience. My husband and I, our marriage needs resilience. Like how do we navigate maybe the hardest season of parenting I've known with special needs in 22 years. It took me back to year one of just grieving and I was losing him and gosh, I had a lot to learn about resilience in that season. So Re Rebecca, do you think that the, uh, the, the fact that we've all felt that isolation that we felt during the pandemic contributes to the overall conversation about the need for resilience. Yes. I mean, there's lots of stress that can be health stress, financial stress, relational stress. But when you're going it alone and you feel like you've lost connection with other people, yeah. either in your family or in, in, in the outside world, does that make it worse? Yeah, so historically, I studied other world wars and every other crisis, global crisis, mental health had risen. Actually, people mm. came more resilient, but in COVID, it was the opposite. And so I went back to history and said, what are the historical ways that generationally society has always healed from trauma? And the first one is being tethered to community. The second one is regulatory rhythms in your brain that helps calm the, and ease your brain. The third would be faith in a higher power or cognitive behavioral therapy with counseling. And the fourth would be medicine. Well, we've turned it on its head and we, we always begin with medicine in our day and then counseling and then maybe some rhythm, rhythms. We'll get off our phone and get outside. And then finally, if we have time, we'll make room for community. And that's why we're falling out. And that's mm. what happened with COVID. We were isolated. We were sedentary. We were alone in our struggles. And then we were also kind of told to sit on our hands and wait. And we had no agency to affect change. And we're not people <laughs> created to sit idle Mm. while the while the house is on fire. And so I think there was a little bit of a sense of lostness of agency in COVID in particular that made us languish. Mm. Some mental health professionals uh, would even go so far as to say that we're living in one of the most angry, anxious, depressed eras of our history. Uh, we got here through some unexpected events. Do you think it's possible that we can climb our way out of this or are we in uncharted territory and we don't know? Yes, I think we can. But we've never had our whole lives attached to screens. And so now we're taking on the burdens of a global world mm. with one brain and one body. And never in history has one person had to take on burdens globally and absorb those day in and day out through sensory inputs and our brains and our bodies be able to mm. handle that. Like it's enough to just handle the care of the people in front of me, in my own home, what my kids are bringing home from school, what yeah, my husband yeah. experienced at work, what I experienced at work. 
right? Like that's how historically we've managed stress. But now we've taken on a global stress that we don't even have agency to affect any change beyond getting loud, prayer, trying to like, you know, do the best we can to care. But meanwhile, we've got real people in real time and real space right in front of us that yeah. are struggling. Yeah. So if we get offline more and we offset, we like recourse correct where our attention's going to and not just at our phones and everyone else's problems that we don't have agency to affect, what do we do with what's right in front of us? And then when we see that we have tangible, actionable, practical steps, then we feel resilient because we're actually seeing the fruit of our efforts take root right there. Rebecca, one of the things that you say is that adversity comes with a choice. Yeah. What's the choice? The choice is we can choose defeat or despair. Which Defeat is, or despair. Yeah, it's like kind of the cultural narrative. Like it's always, like you just said, is it going to just keep getting worse? Are we going to have any out to this? Or are we going to actually choose redemption and hope? Are we going to believe that there is something greater than us? So our momentary trials, I define resilience this way in the book, is that our temporary momentary trials that we face in this blink of a, our lifetime on this planet um, is, is producing in us a far greater effect that gives us the power to endure and mm. emerge. We want to endure and emerge, not ignore, avoid, escape, or numb out. We want to acknowledge it, but we want to rely on a strength beyond ourselves. You've also spoken about how adversity promotes resilience. Um, your, uh, let's see, your kids, uh, Cade and Joy, are, are, are both kids with Down syndrome. Yeah. And while that's challenging in certain ways, you say that it, that it actually like produces yeah. some of the qualities that we need most. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Kate is the barometer of our home. So if there's any tension, he feels it. If there's, like, if he's happy, that means everything is good. Like, we're yeah. in we're in right relationship. We are reconciled. Right. There's forgiveness. There's grace. There's happy vibes in the yes, house. Yes, yeah. Kate, he's Kate's like, happy. he tells us what we're unwilling to say out loud. Yeah. Um, just through his body language. Joy, on the other hand, she, we brought her home four and a half years ago from China. She was abandoned at four months at a police station. Spent the first five and a half years of her life at an orphanage. So never knew family. Never knew mother and father. And yet she is a joy bomb that's exploded in our home. She just did Shrek <laughs> Jr. the musical and that's she so danced um, all on stage for five shows last weekend. She's a, she's a walking picture of resilience and she's we're reforming attachment with her. Her night terrors are slowly fading and I'm inspired by her. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. So I, I love how practical you get here in your book. Uh, let's talk about the five rules. Okay. Um, here they are. Number one, name the pain, shift the narrative, embrace adversity, make meaning, endure together. Yeah. Okay, let's break all of these okay. down. Uh, the, the first rule for resilience, name the pain. What do you mean? Uh, what, is, what is the thing you haven't said out loud that you need to invite somebody in and say it out loud? Something you're buried by in shame, some lie you've agreed with about yourself, okay. condemning yourself. Okay, so this isn't just like my knee. No, like it's, I, it's getting it's something inside out of your body. Okay, your this mouth. is more of a mental health thing. This is more of an emotional health yeah. thing. This is, I'm the feeling- The pain inside. I feel here. hurt, injured, damaged. Yeah. I feel guilty, pain, shame. Yeah. I'm not enough this, that, or the other. Whatever it is that you have condemned yourself with or just been wounded by. 
Okay. Get it outside of your body. Okay. And invites a, an actual human to share that with right. you. Right. Acknowledge its existence and put it up here on the table. Yep. Deal with it. You can't heal what is hidden. So get it out. Shift the narrative. Okay. Yes. Well, once you've named the pain, then there will be people processing that with you, holding space for it, giving you grace, giving you even a different perspective that allows you to then shift the narrative. As long as it's stored internally, it's just your mind doing a loop. You've gotten outside, you've gotten perspective, you've invited God in, all of a sudden you begin to see it differently. The pain no longer has a hold on you. Okay, help people understand what you mean by narrative and shifting a narrative. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Yeah, so for me, my pain that I said to my husband was, I'm broken and I'm afraid I'll never change. This is what I said in my mid-40s, okay. not that, in my 20s. Is that a narrative? That is a narrative I had agreed with. I'm a terrible wife, mother, mom, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Partly because I always felt like I wasn't quite enough. And so shame made me hide and retreat from relationship. And I'd go in my closet and cry if there'd be conflict. I didn't know how to actually take agency. Okay. And so by saying it out loud, my husband in his mercy and his kindness said, we're all broken, you're just more aware of it. And it just kind of put the air and out of the balloon. And how did you shift the narrative? What does that look like? Well, cause then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I've agreed with something and believed this lie of condemning, just like you're never enough, Rebecca. And I've been kind of my worst enemy here yeah. versus going like, well, what does God say about me? He says, I'm chosen and beloved and appointed and set apart. I'm delighted in as a daughter of God. Oh, well, that's a little different than what I was harboring internally. And getting it outside, I, got, I had to hear it. And then I had to kind of confess that and to go, God, I want to agree with what you say is true, not what I've believed is true. Okay, so so first I acknowledge what it is and I name what it is that's 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 hurting me. And then I take the, the reasons for it or the story that I've been told as to why I'm this way. And I say, no, wait, what does God say about yeah. it? Yeah. How does he tell the story right. about what's going on here? And how do I even invite... Um, trusted friends and counselors into this story. It's, mm. it, we let a lot of lies loop in our brain for decades. Maybe something, someone spoke something over us in our, in our adolescence. And we just somehow that just sat, that took root. And then we're our whole life, we're kind of like trying to make up for that lack or that inadequacy. Yeah. But later in life, if we invite people in and go, can you remind me what is true? Will you give me perspective outside of myself? And then that will shift how I see, not only myself, how I see God, how I see the people he's entrusted to me. And there's a lot of grace in the process of that yeah. healing. Embrace adversity. Okay, so once you've named the pain and you now are seeing things in a new light, in a good light, hopefully. God's light. Yes, God's light. Then, then adversity is less scary. You know, it's like you think about resistance training. You go to the gym and it's easier when you're in pain and you're buried under shame to avoid hard things. But when you feel a healing journey begin, you look up and look out and you begin to go out. Mm. And so the gym is no longer as threatening. You're like, I'm gonna just try. And you activate your stress response when you embrace hard things. So I would always avoid places of small, because my panic was, was rooted in claustrophobia. And so I would avoid planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds while I lived in New York. It was kind of impossible, uh, right? Yeah. It was kind of impossible to avoid those things. And so you have to keep, even with kids, to raise resilient kids, you have to activate that stress response just enough with supportive people cheering you on and then retreat. And then do it a little bit further. To and show you, retreat. I'm not going to die if yeah, I go into yeah, an elevator. Yeah. You're retraining your brain and you're renewing your mind. It all overlaps. Science and faith always overlaps. And so you're you're rewiring your brain to go like, this small space is not going to kill me. This elevator is great. We're doing this together. And now I'm going to go do it again. And kids do this in athletics, in sportsmanship, in, in, in music. Like we grow in resilience through practice. Just yeah. small, regulated steps in the same direction with people cheering on. A supportive community is very big for this. Make meaning. 
Okay, so you take the pain, you take the adversity, and all of a sudden your pain becomes purpose if you let it. And have pain becomes purpose if, if you, you let, let it. it. Nothing is wasted. We always want to kind of like discard the hard parts of our lives, but God actually gives us authority in those places because that's where he's moved, where he's transformed, where he's given us a story we can't shut up about. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden that pain becomes purpose when you begin to give back. You begin to see the beauty in that journey. You begin to help other people who face the same thing. You actually have something to offer from what you've learned through that adversity. Mm. That reminds me of a, of a Bible verse about comfort, something about you're able to comfort others with the comfort with which God has comforted yes, you. Yes, I love that verse. Mm. Yes, he comforts us so we can comfort others. I mean, it's like you become a pipeline for whatever God's given you, you get to pour that right back out. And now you've got credibility because you've been through it. Yes. You've been there and now there's great meaning in your struggle. Yes. I love this. Right? Yeah, Isn't mental it? health is not a theory, it's a practice. So when you've lived it, you'll just automatically give it back out of the overflow of what you've experienced. <sighs> Endure together. Yes, okay, so you can't build resilient lives alone. You know, you just can't. And I think of all the people in every single one of these rules, it was people, God-given people that God planted in my lives, whether it was my family or my community, that helped me actually recover all these things, helped me build these foundational blocks of resilience. And so it doesn't just begin, when you heal um, personally, you begin to help be a part of healing something corporately. And so I really tell the story of the last three years since lockdown, where our community here, right in Franklin, Tennessee, became a resilient community. It was like um, going back to the historical ways of healing through clan or tribe or attachment and tethering to community. And so sustainable farming or education or medicine or what, whatever it is that God's entrusted to you to be resourceful mm -hmm. with, you now get to do this with the people that you love. You get to run alongside. And God really did make us resilient. He made us resourceful. And he wants us to cultivate the earth. He wants us to do something with our hands. And there's just a real beauty in doing this together. Everyone brings their strengths and their gifts to the table and it becomes a household of faith. And it's a very beautiful because you're now realizing historically, this is how generations and humanity has moved forward. We're not, we're not addicted to our phones. We actually make time for one another right in our midst and we care for one another. And that's just been, I tell so many stories in the book of just special needs prom when everything was shut down, people getting married mm. in, in our yard when, when things shut down, having Easter on blankets when things shut down. Like we get to be resourceful, we get to be creative. It's really fun and it, we do it together. It's not a one and done, like you, you did the things and now you're resilient. It's a practice of inviting people in, of getting outside, moving your body. And then over time, like your narrative shifts, your adversity uh, approach shifts, okay. anxiety became the friend that taught me resilience. I would have never said that 13 years ago, but I'm really glad, I'm grateful that I walked through it because I now know what to do when it returns and I know how to encourage other people in the same way. Talk to us uh, who are members of the, the, the household of faith. How do we involve the Lord in our pursuit of resilience? Yeah, well, this is a foundation that Christ kind of was our resilience. He was the bruised reed. He was the one that bent low. He took He took sin upon, all of our sin upon himself, mm. himself at the cross. Mm. And so when I talk about the oak and the reed, Jesus was a picture of this bruised reed. He's prophesied as the bruised reed in Isaiah. He demonstrated right. this holy resilience of bending low on our behalf so that we could all have life. And so we tether ourselves to that truth and we, and we follow that, but knowing that Jesus promised hardship, trouble, adversity, difficulty, stoning, shipwrecks, like all these things, these heroes of the faith in scripture, he never promised the easy life and yeah. trite cliches and memes. He basically said, you're gonna have trouble, but it take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's the promise. So I think the beauty of resilience is 
even though adversity will still come into our lives, there's no guarantee. We know tomorrow there could be something that just hits us sideways that we did not see coming. Christ says, I'm still going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never mm. going to forsake you. And that's something that the world can't give. Jesus is very clear. He says, the peace I give, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. And so Jesus' presence and his nearness becomes our safe place, our haven, our respite as we walk in resilience. You said a couple of times here in our conversation that this is not a one and done. Resilience is not about, oh, you fixed the problem and now the storm is gone. And, and you speak of having to, um, us, us having to understand the tension that exists between the now and the not yet. Yes. What do you mean by that? Yes, well, we're becoming people with the character of resilience and that's altogether different because mm -hmm. it's one thing to apply these rules and go like, I did the rubric, Rebecca, I did your five rules. But if it's not tethered to meaning and an understanding of the kingdom and following Christ and losing your life so that you can find it and looking for the overlooked or the abandoned and living for someone else, something outside of you, then it's easy to kind of go, I tried it, I moved on. This isn't just about me. Mm. It's not just about you. It's about Cade and it's about joy. And it's about all the people that sometimes really need someone to advocate on their behalf. When you make resilience, not just about my health and my flourishing, but it's about our communal health and our communal flourishing. We realize we're a communal people made by a communal God. And that's why this resilience is a whole mm. picture of a vibrant, thriving people, which is that in this whole thing. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.